For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Israel, God's Prophetic Time Clock. This is part five of the series. So what are major signs of the coming of the day of the Lord or the start of the Great Tribulation that we've just covered? Well, one was four blood-red moons that happened on biblical feast days. And most recently, this unique event happened from 2014 to 2015. And secondly, we saw it was prophesied that the ministry and message of Elijah, which is a calling to follow the Torah of the lawgiver, that is Yeshua HaMashiach, that this calling would be proclaimed before he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives in the last generation. And this message has been proclaimed in this generation for over 25 years. Once again, we call it the Hebraic Roots of Christianity, and at other times it's called the Messianic Movement. So these two things that are signs of the coming of the Day of the Lord, they've already happened. Now let's begin to look at a couple events that are signs of the coming of the Day of the Lord that as of March 2020 have not happened. Well, in Joel chapter 2, verse 1, we're told that a shofar is blown to warn and announce to the people of the God of Israel who are called Zion that the day of the Lord is arriving. In Joel chapter 2, verse 1, it is written, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Now, in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16, we're told that Zion is a term for the people of the God of Israel. So, blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord comes, and it is near at hand. So, let's remind ourselves once again that from Genesis chapter 1, regarding the first six days of creation, we're told that evening and morning was each day. And this is prophetic of the thousand-year messianic era, which is called the day of the Lord, which is the prophetic seventh day of creation. So, the day of the Lord is going to begin in darkness, which we commonly call the Great Tribulation. So, continuing in Joel chapter 2, it goes on to say in Joel chapter 2 verse 2, regarding the coming of the day of the Lord, it is a day of darkness and gloominess. The darkness part of the day of the Lord is also called Jacob's trouble. In Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 6 and 7, it is written, Ask ye now and see whether a man does travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? And all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great. What day? The day of the Lord. So that none is like it. That is the darkness part of the day of the Lord. The great tribulation. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. 
So what we're going to see as we continue on in examining Joel chapter 2 and cross-reference it with particularly Ezekiel chapter 39 is that it's speaking of the Gog-Magog war. And the Gog-Magog war is a sign of the coming of the day of the Lord. Let's see how this is so. Remember, we're told in Joel chapter 2 verse 1, Blow the trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near at hand. Joel chapter 2 verse 2, it's a day of darkness and gloominess because a great people and a strong, there has not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Joel chapter 2 verse 3, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. In front of them the land is as the garden of Eden, but after they come through, it's a desolate wilderness, and nothing shall escape them. In other words, it's fast, furious, and initially successful. They succeed in their attack. Joel chapter 2 verse 9. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter in at the window like a thief. They're coming to rob. They're coming to plunder. It's a military attack. Now Ezekiel chapter 39 describes this Gog-Magog war. And we're told in Ezekiel chapter 39 verses 1 and 2. Son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, I'm going to cause you to come up from the north parts and bring you into the mountains of Israel. So Gog-Magog comes from the north. Regarding what we have been reading so far in Joel chapter 2 about the attack of this invading army which is so successful, it then says in Joel chapter 2 verse 11, For the day of the Lord is great and terrible, and who can abide it? So next we see the exhortation of the God of Israel when they see this military attack happen. In Joel chapter 2 verse 12, Therefore also now says the Lord, Turn unto me with all your heart and with fasting. Joel chapter 2 verse 15, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sanctify a fast. So the God of Israel is instructing his people that in response to this successful military attack of the enemy against the land of Israel and the people of Israel, they are supposed to fast, pray, and cry out with all their heart. And who are they going to be crying out to to deliver them? The Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 26, verses 16 and 17, it is written, Lord, in trouble have they visited you, meaning the enemy has attacked you. They poured out a prayer when your chastening was upon them. What's the chastening? The military attack, the war. And from this, his people's going to pray. And they are experiencing the birth pangs of the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 17. Like as a woman with child that draws near the time of her delivery and is in pain and cries out in her birth pangs, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. So this, what we're reading about in Joel chapter 2, the military attack of the enemy from the north, is what precedes the Jewish people initially crying out for the coming of the Messiah and then receiving Yeshua as the Messiah. So let's remember again the principle that biblical history is prophecy. Going back to Jeremiah chapter 29, the prophecy in verse 10 was after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon. Well, historically after 70 years, a remnant of the Jewish people returned to the land through the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah and began the process to rebuild the temple. But at that time, the Jewish people didn't know or receive the Messiah, and the captivity of the people did not end. But in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10, 
regarding this prophecy of after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, the outcome is, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13, that you will call unto me, and you will go and pray to me, and you will seek me, and find me, when you search for me with all your heart. This is a reference to crying out for the Messiah, and Yeshua will hear their cry, and they will end up receiving Yeshua as the Messiah, and Yeshua will end the captivity of both Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom in the lands where they've been scattered. So who is this military that's attacking the Jewish people in the land of Israel as the day of the Lord is approaching? Well, after the Jewish people fast and pray for the Messiah with all their heart, the God of Israel is going to intervene and defeat the enemy. And we're told of this defeat of the enemy in Joel chapter 2 verse 20. And I will remove far from you the northern army and drive him into a land barren and desolate. So the military attack came from the north. And what is it said about Gog and Magog in Ezekiel chapter 39? In verse 2, I will turn you back and leave but a sixth part of you. Ezekiel 39 verse 4, and you will fall upon the mountains of Israel. Verse 5, you will fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, says the Lord God. So once the Jewish people cry out with all their heart for the Messiah after the initial successful attack by the Gog-Magog armies, the God of Israel will intervene and defeat the Gog-Magog armies. And in doing so, the Jewish people, or at least the remnant of the Jewish people, will end up accepting Yeshua as the Messiah. So with the defeat of the Gog-Magog army, the Jews will believe in Yeshua as the Messiah. For once again, it says in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10, After 70 years be accomplished, Jeremiah 29 verse 12, You will call upon me, you will go and pray to me, and I will hearken unto you. I will hear your prayers. So why are they calling and praying for the Messiah and seeking for him with all their heart? It's because of the dire situation regarding the Gog-Magog war. But the promise of Yeshua in Jeremiah 29 verse 14 is, I will be found of you. In other words, I'm going to hear your prayer and you're going to know who I am. And the same thing is said in Ezekiel chapter 39, verses 21 and 22. And all the nations will see my judgment that I've executed in my hand that I've laid upon them. So the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. They will know that who is the Lord their God. They will know that Yeshua is the Messiah from the defeat of the Gog Magog invading army after they fast and pray and seek for the Messiah with all their heart, because the Messiah will hear their prayer. We can see this connection in Joel chapter 2 verse 20, where it says, I will remove far from you the northern army. And as a result of that, it goes on to say in Joel chapter 2 verse 27, And you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God and nobody else. So they're going to know the Lord God of Israel. And so who is this Lord God of Israel that previously they didn't know, but now they're going to know when the Gog-Magog armies are defeated? It is Yeshua, the Messiah. So as well as recognizing and receiving Yeshua as the Messiah with the defeat of the Gog-Magog army, the God of Israel is also going to decree the end of the exile. We can see this from Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 21 and verse 25, as it is written. And all the nations will see my judgment that I've executed in my hand that I've laid upon them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now 
will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. So when is now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob after the defeat of Gog and Magog? So the God of Israel is making a decree that he's going to end the exile of his people with the defeat of the Gog-Magog armies who invade the mountains of Israel. So now let's go back and cross-reference this understanding with Joel chapter 2, verse 18 and verse 21. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Well, what's the great things he's going to do? That the land's going to be glad and rejoice. He's going to end the exile of his people. Now remember, Yeshua said, learn a parable of the fig tree. The fig tree is associated with the rebirth of the modern nation of Israel in 1948, and it's bringing forth its leaves. And remember, the good figs from Jeremiah chapter 24 is associated with the end of the exile. It now says in Joel chapter 2, verse 22, Be not afraid, for the tree bears her fruit. The fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. So now the fig tree produces her fruit, the good figs, the end of the exile, as an outcome of the defeat of Gog and Magog. So in order to be able to make the connection regarding the meaning behind the parable of the fig tree, we needed to understand that biblical history's prophecy and the historical 70-year captivity of the southern kingdom or the house of Judah into Babylon is a prophecy of the generation that will see the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. And when are we going to see the start of the day of the Lord or the great tribulation? When are we going to see the Jews receive Yeshua as the Messiah? When are we going to see the end of the exile? of the house of Jacob or northern kingdom and southern kingdom after 70 years is the end of the exile. So we can see this from Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10 and verse 14. Thus says the Lord, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon. I will turn away your captivity and gather you from all the nations from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. So it is the Messiah who gathers the exiles of Israel. And how's he going to gather his people? As the good shepherd. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 10 it is written, Hear the word of the Lord, O you nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. So the one that's going to gather Israel is the good shepherd. And he that scattered will gather. Well, the good shepherd's going to gather. And so that means the same one that gathers also is the one that scattered. And the one that scattered is the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And he scattered his people when they broke his covenant. So Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. He exiled his people in the nations when they broke his covenant. But he's faithful to his covenant. And he's going to gather his people back to the land and end their exile. We can see how Yeshua is the good shepherd who's going to accomplish this task. In John chapter 10, verse 11 and verse 14, as it is written, I am the good shepherd. So initially, in the process of redeeming his people, he's first going to die on the tree. He's going to lay down his life. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So Yeshua says in John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. We can see how it is the good shepherd who gathers the exiles of Israel in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11 and verse 12, as it is written. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep where they've been scattered. And notice when he's going to gather the exiles of Israel? In the cloudy and dark day. When is that? That's the darkness part of the day of the Lord. When is that? That's the time of the great tribulation. So he gathers his people at the beginning of the day of the Lord. So from Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11, 
Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Since Yeshua is the Lord and he's the Messiah, another term for the day of the Lord is the day of Messiah. And in the day of the Lord or the day of the Messiah, the Messiah gathers the exiles from the nations where they've been scattered and brings them back to the land. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 it is written, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Yeshua Mashiach and by our gathering together unto him. That's him and his role to gather and unite the twelve tribes of Israel. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, that the day of Messiah is at hand. So Paul is explaining that it's in the day of Messiah, the day of the Lord, that the Messiah is going to gather and unite the twelve tribes of Israel. So the good shepherd is not only going to gather his people in the cloudy and dark day, but we can see from Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 13 that he's going to bring them to the mountains of Israel. This is a reference to what the world calls the West Bank, as well as Jerusalem, and the biblical name for the West Bank is Judea and Samaria. In Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 13 it is written, And I will bring them out from the people, and gather them from the countries, and will bring them to their own land, and I will feed them upon the mountains of Israel. We can see how Israel, a reference to the northern kingdom, and Judah, a reference to the southern kingdom, will both return to the land of Israel during Jacob's trouble from Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3 and verses 6 and 7, it is written, For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people, Israel and Judah, northern kingdom and southern kingdom, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers, and they will possess it. So when is he going to bring Israel and Judah back to the land? It goes on to say in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 6, Ask ye now and see whether a man does travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? And all faces are turned into paleness. Because in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7, Alas, for that day is great. What day? The day of the Lord. So that none is like it. It is the time. What is the time? When Israel and Judah returns to the land. That is the time of Jacob's trouble. Because Jacob will be saved or redeemed or delivered out of it or from it or through it. Now the way that the exiles of Israel are going to be gathered back to the land, it's through the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the world has ever known. So in Ezekiel chapter 39 verse 25 it says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob. Ezekiel 39 verse 27, When I have gathered them out of their enemies' lands, that is scattered in the nations of the world. So speaking of ending the exile of the house of Jacob, that's northern kingdom and southern kingdom, and bringing them back from the lands where they've been scattered, the way it's going to be done in Ezekiel chapter 39 verse 29 is, Neither will I hide my face any more from them. For I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God. We can also see this from Joel chapter 2, where in verses 18 and 19 it says, following the defeat of Gog and Magog, Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. See, when they're scattered the nations of the world, they were a reproach. But when they're no longer a reproach, it means they're not in exile. They've been brought back to the land of Israel. And speaking of being brought back to the land of Israel, it says in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, it will come to pass afterward. After what? After the defeat of Gog and Magog, as we've outlined in Joel chapter 2, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So Yeshua is going to gather his people from the nations of the world where they've been scattered through a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to do so, leading his people back to the land the way in which he brought them out of Egypt, biblical history's prophecy, leading them by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
So now we've just seen that the Gog-Magog war and the defeat of the Gog and Magog armies is a sign of the coming of the day of the Lord. What else is a sign of the coming of the day of the Lord? Well, the fall of the United States is a sign of the coming of the day of the Lord. Because the United States is the end-time spiritual land of Babylon. And specifically, the United States is the daughter of Babylon. It's got the historical characteristics of the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar, but it's an end-time nation that has the ancient Babylonian Empire characteristics. So in referring to the fall of Babylon in the end of days, the scripture refers to the fall of the daughter of Babylon. We can see this from Isaiah chapter 47, verse 1 and verse 5, it is written, Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. Sit silent, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you will no more be called the lady of kingdoms. We can see how the daughter of Babylon is an end-time nation. From Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 12, Your mother shall be sore confounded. She that that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, and the King James says, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. So this word hindermost is the Strong's number 319. It's the Hebrew word akarit. And the most common translation of the word akarit in the King James is the word end. It's also translated as last. We can see this from Genesis chapter 49 verse 1. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together and I will tell you what will come in the last days. The end days. The Akarit days. So that's the same word that got translated in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 12 as hindermost. The last of the nations. The end of the nations. An end time nation. So Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 12 is not speaking about the historical Babylonian kingdom under King Nebuchadnezzar. So the prophecy is, after 70 years, this daughter of Babylon ends up being destroyed. So remember, once again, the principle, biblical history is prophecy. In Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 12, it is written, And it will come to pass when 70 years are accomplished, or after 70 years, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, says the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldees, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. So what happened to the historical Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar is a foreshadowing of what will happen to the end-time daughter of Babylon. Because after 70 years, the Babylonian kingdom under King Nebuchadnezzar fell when Cyrus, king of Persia, defeated the Babylonians. So this end-time daughter of Babylon falls in the day of trouble, a term for the darkness part of the day of the Lord, a term for Jacob's trouble, a term for the great tribulation. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 1, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up against Babylon a destroying wind. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 2, And I will send under Babylon fanners, and shall empty her land. For in the day of trouble they will be against her round about. We can see the connection of the coming of the day of the Lord and the fall of Babylon from Isaiah chapter 13, verse 1, verse 6, and verse 9, it is written, The burden of Babylon. Howl ye for the day of the Lord is at hand. It's coming. Hasn't arrived yet, but it's coming. And it will come or arrive as destruction from the Almighty. Isaiah 13, verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. 
So this end-time daughter of Babylon is destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. Isaiah chapter 13 verse 19. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. We can parallel Isaiah 13 verse 19 with Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 40. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, says the Lord, so shall no man abide there. So now, when this end-time daughter of Babylon gets judged, the house of Jacob... Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, Israel, God's prophetic time clock. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.